Welcome to Conversations with Her, brought to you by Her Brand, a movement and platform created to empower and elevate women through education, awareness, collaboration, and connectedness. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at BeHerBrand, or check us out online at www.beherbrand.com. I hope you enjoy this conversation with her. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Mish, and I'm the founder of Her Brand. And with me today, I have Reese Sim. She just got done dropping some gems about domestic violence as we just held our webinar for um, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Reese, you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. So happy to be here. Um, I just want to give a little background about Reese. She's a therapist based in Washington, D.C. She specializes in treating issues stemming from interpersonal violence, sexual abuse, trauma, PTSD, and anxiety. With a professional experience in survivor-centered program development, crisis intervention, and sexual assault support services, Reese is dedicated to eradicating violence against women. She founded HEWA LLC to foster well-being for survivors of sexual assault and interpersonal violence. When Reese is not working on HEWA, she enjoys traveling, reading, exploring new restaurants. And she didn't mention this, but other things because I know her <laughs> because she's my best friend. Um, so, Reese, you just got done talking about domestic violence. Well, really interpersonal violence. Um, and before I... I asked you to come. Uh, well, when I did ask you to come, I asked you to speak on domestic violence and you kind of, it probably wasn't intentional knowing you it probably was, <laughs> but you did say, yeah, I have no problem presenting on interpersonal violence. So can you talk about that a little bit? Is, there, is that different than domestic violence? Um, if it is, which one is preferred over the other one? Okay. So it really depends on like the circumstances of the situation. So interpersonal violence is defined as any physical, sexual, emotional, or economic action or threat of action that intentionally harms another person in which you share relation with. Domestic violence is, um, is a pattern of behaviors used by one partner to maintain power and control of another partner in a intimate romantic relationship. So those are, that's kind of where the difference lies. So domestic violence is more so about romantic intimate relationships and then interpersonal violence encompasses all relationships. Okay. So when we're speaking about like violence among family members, like let's say um, uh, a mother and a child, Mm -hmm. that's more interpersonal? Yes. That's interpersonal. That's interpersonal okay. violence or even um, intrafamily violence. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Because I, I see it written off a lot as like DV cases. Mm-hmm. Um, even like in a hospital in which I work, mm-hmm. if we have a child come in with abuse that, you know, they, they write it off as like a DV case. Uh-huh. But um, I'm going to walk in and start saying IP case, <laughs> interpersonal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, so what made you dive into domestic violence and interpersonal violence? Well, I had a child, a traumatic childhood experience. Um, So my life story, as you know, is pretty complicated. Um, But I didn't meet my mother until I was six years old. And then after meeting her, um, my siblings and I, we moved in with her maybe like a month after meeting her with um, 
her and her new husband. And like within that first week, we witnessed her being stomped on by him, curled in like a fetal, like physically stomped, physically on. stomped, like literally on. stomped on. Yes. Okay. And then up until That's that point, until I was six, like I had only experienced like love and care and healthiness. Um, as my grandparents, um, I lived with my grandparents and they were, um, very loving. I never wanted for anything. And then it was like a ball dropped immediately. I was thrown into the situation where there was just violence and, um, it was a pretty big shock to my system. And Mm -hmm. we lived in that environment for three years, um, before, uh, just, we, we just couldn't stay there anymore. So those three years of experiencing or watching, like witnessing my mother be abused emotionally, physically, um, then me being abused physically, and then just everything that happened in those three years kind of planted an insatiable need in me to understand violence and understand why why women stay in relationships that aren't healthy and and how to support people who, who find themselves in these situations. Because as I got older, um, before I went to college, I found myself judging my mother. Like, how dare you, um, you know, put your children, like you've just met, like in this situation and expose them to this violence. And I judged her so harshly. Um, and I just, I felt guilty as I got, as I got to college and I started wanted to just do all types of um work in the field and 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 never wanted to judge someone else again by by doing that so I think you bring up a good point about you um judging your mom and I feel like it's easy for us to judge women who are in these domestic violence relationships you know why not just leave so can you talk about like what fed that guilt and compassion that you grew for your mother like was it more of an understanding Mm -hmm. did you learn more about domestic violence like what made you become more understanding of that it was me learning about it like it was me learning about it and then understanding like what what it entails like before that and like a lot of people who aren't familiar with domestic violence the question is always well why doesn't she just leave and it's so it's so many different reasons why a person might not leave their violent situation um it could be fear of independence. That person, the the perpetrator might control all the finances in the house. It could be, this is the love they've only known. They don't want to be without love. They would rather the love be hurtful and toxic than to be without it at all. There's just so many different situations of why a person can stay in that type of relationship. And it just, it, it we have to just be mindful like of what people might be going through, so. So you speak about how these women kind of are limited as far as um, getting out of the relationship. And if you're not comfortable, you don't have to answer. But do you mind sharing a real life story? You know, what made your mom stay? You gave us some pretty uh, some examples of it. But would you mind sharing your personal touch um, about that? Yeah, so um, I didn't meet my mom until I was six because she was in prison um, when she was pregnant with me. So she actually gave birth handcuffed um, to a bed, a hospital bed, and went straight into custody. 
Um, so six years, she was in custody. When she got out of prison, um, she really didn't have a lot of resources. Um, she didn't really have that much support. She really didn't have a lot of places she could go. And then she met this seemingly charming, handsome man who was completely on his feet, um, was very smitten with her. And after two weeks of dating, they married and moved in with each other. So she didn't really know this man um, that well or long enough to um, establish a real understanding of who he was as a person or other situations he might have been in prior to her. Um, so then once she got into that relationship and she got that security and that, that stability, it's now like, okay, I don't want to, you know, be without again, or I don't want to go back to prison. Or now I have this man who's taking care of me, taking care of my home. And, um, I would rather be here and, and deal with whatever I need to deal with to stay. Okay. And honestly, um, so that wasn't my first time hearing that ex explanation from you. Um, and so I know I myself personally struggled with um, growing compassion from women in domestic violence relationships. And it's not that I'm a bad person. It's just hard to understand when you're not a part of it or mm -hmm. in it. So I remember reaching out to you and you sharing that. And that definitely like made me look at it differently. Mm -hmm. And um, being that I just started practicing medicine, I intentionally did that because I know that I'm going to see that, you know, in the office. And I, don't, I just wanted to grow a compassion so that when I'm faced with it, I can handle it accordingly and also handle it with understanding. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing us, sharing mm -hmm. that with us for sure. Yeah. Um. I do have a question about domestic violence and then I want to transition into interpersonal mm -hmm. violence, but what are some signs that we can look for in a domestic violence relationship, whether that be us trying to recognize mm -hmm. if we are in a domestic violent relationship or, you know, members of mm -hmm. our family or friends or even, you know, coworkers or people that we see every day. Yeah. So um, that's a good question um, for, like physically, it might be that the person is wearing um, like sunglasses or a scarf when the weather doesn't really call for that. So they're trying to hide bruises. Um, it could be in the their actions around you. So say if they used to be a, a typically happy, go lucky, carefree person, but now their behavior has changed and they're more withdrawn or they drawn to themselves a lot more um or they don't joke as much they don't smile as much there's always something you can sense like behind their eyes it's just a sadness um mm -hmm. you might not talk to them as much anymore so they might um not reach out or not call um they mm -hmm. probably are not going to tell you because they're fear of being judged about the situation um so mm -hmm. the communication lessons um and then maybe when, if you come around, um, they act different if the abuser is there. So there's no more just free conversation, but um, very timid talking, very, very shy, very withdrawn into themselves. Okay. I think that is, um, that's interesting. And I think it's so funny because everybody know Girlfriends is yeah. out and we're all binge watching <laughs> it. Sure. But coincidentally, um, last night, right before I fell asleep, it, the episode 
um, with Maya encountering that woman who was in a domestic violence um, relationship came on. Um, I just thought that was funny. But if, if you guys are um, fans of Girlfriends, you should go check it out because that character actually just displayed a lot of the signs that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I first noticed it when um, Maya was talking to her and her husband was around and her her conversation changed and it was more restricted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And then signs that we personally might be in a situation that is abusive. Um, uh, one of the major signs is being gaslit by the perpetrator. So that person denying that anything happened or or um, minimizing the effect of what happened, not taking those concerns seriously, shifting responsibility of the abusive behavior to the survivor, saying that 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 the survivor caused it, um, saying that the the maybe the survivor triggered them and they're only doing this because of that. Um, so it it's uh it's quite insidious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say we have a friend, um, a coworker, a family member who we feel like is a part of the domestic violent relationship. I don't want to say victim. Mm-hmm. Have we have we shied away from that term? What what should I so say? So really, when describing this person, so anyone who is who has experienced any type of violence, we want to try to empower them, and by doing so, that's mirroring the language they use to describe themselves so if you come in contact with um, a person who's experienced violence and they call themselves a survivor or they call themselves a victim we just follow whatever they say but typically i lean towards survivor if it hasn't been noted which one they prefer okay and victim is so let's say used in um, the legal instance so like legally they use the term victim like in the court system to establish the parties of the situation i see obviously that would work in their favor in the court yeah. of law um but okay so how if if we see someone who we feel like is experienced domestic experiencing domestic violence not as the um the abuser how should we approach that person or should we approach that person so is that like seeing it in the act of someone being physically physically harmed or is that suspecting that that person is being harmed i guess you could answer both if you feel comfortable okay so if you're if you're if you suspect that someone in your life is experiencing domestic violence and the foremost important thing you can do is ask them how you you can assist you never want to just jump in and offer things that might not be helpful you never want to tell a survivor of violence to leave their situation um because um after leaving the situation that's the most dangerous time for the survivor and it takes up to seven times before that survivor will even get the nerve to leave their situation um, that's the average like seven oh, wow. times seven times to leave okay um so you don't want to to give ill will advice like that but you do want to just ask how you can support whether that's um listening to them on the phone or um maybe taking them to run errands or whatever they may suggest that they need then you just want to follow their lead at all in all times and always um Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is it okay? 
can get with mm-hmm. that. Um, last question for domestic violence. Um, what resources are available for those who are, who do feel like they're part of a domestic violent um, relationship or resources that we can hand out to others that are involved? Yeah, so there is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, and then I'll, I'll let me just pull it up right here to get the number. Um, so their phone number uh, is 800-799-7233. And what I like about the National Domestic Violence Hotline is that once you give your location, they pull up local resources to help you depending on what you need. So it might be safe housing or you need to get away or you need to create a safety plan or um, maybe you need food or maybe you need somewhere for you and your daughter to spend the night at tonight. The National Domestic Violence Hotline will connect you to local resources that are on the ground where you are that can help you. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So we spoke a lot about domestic violence. I want to go ahead and um, transition into interpersonal violence. So outside of an intimate relationship, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned before, and more into the um, how that affects family structure and the family dynamics. Um, I think I can speak for most when I say that we uh, a a lot, well, not most, but a lot of us come from very traumatic um, childhoods some that we don't even recognize as being traumatic. Um, And I feel like it's been normalized, Mm -hmm. especially a lot in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you want to speak about that? Do you have anything that, yeah, what what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think interpersonal violence um, is common. And I think it's common in the form of emotional or psychological abuse. Um, And I think that so many people don't realize that experiences they encounter as a child are um, emotionally abusive and all in and lead to behaviors they exhibit in their adulthood so Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah like those those seeds being planted in your youth grow into those to behaviors that um, you might not like as a child and neglect Mm -hmm. is a very big one um Punishment by withholding affection, like giving giving your child the silent treatment when they're not doing as you ask, like that is emotional abuse, shifting the blame on them. Um, uh, the um, having like a favorite child, like this is the golden child, and then scapegoating the other child for everything that goes wrong, but the golden child can't do any wrong. Like that's that's emotional harm, and uh, it it is very it's it's ubiquitous. I agree. I would say that during your webinar, you mentioned um, abandonment as, you know, a part of this interpersonal um, abuse or violence. And you read me, you know, like you said, (laughs) Mm -hmm. people who have experienced abandonment, they become rigid, they become stubborn. And then something you said that just stuck out to me, you said um, they don't want to change their ways because they don't want to abandon themselves the way their father mm-hmm. abandoned them. And I just felt that. And that's, I mean, that's deep. And 
I thought I was <laughs> thought I was pretty far and pretty mm-hmm. healed from my abandonment issue. And I'm like, that that's totally mm-hmm. me. I am the first to um cut these romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I do stick to my ways. I am very stubborn. You can't tell me nothing. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about it like it was me protecting myself and not abandoning yourself myself yep. the way I have been abandoned by yep. a parent. Um, that was really deep. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. I, I'm gonna go have to journal about that and work on yeah. that and talk to my therapist. Like, girl, this is my friend said. <laughs> it's yeah. what we gotta do. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> you know, as a if you were experiencing something traumatic, your body has mechanisms to try to protect you, and they're gonna try. Your body's gonna try to protect you by any means necessary. And um, it's gonna try to figure out the best route. And once one thing works that's going it's going to keep repeating mm-hmm. like it's going to keep re- re- protecting you by that same measure mm-hmm. that's pretty deep um our child <laughs> our childhoods definitely do shape who we are and how we act today yeah. and um I think it's really important to be cognizant of that and of course life is all about evolution so constantly working on that and getting past that mm-hmm. trauma to become a better you know, person, a better self. Agreed. For sure. Um, before we wrap up, do you have anything? Oh, I do have one question. Uh-huh. Yeah, so my girl, my girl Reese just <laughs> launched her Hewa LLC. Yeah. Um, spelled H-I-W-A. Can you tell us about how you came up with that name? Yes. So I came up with Hewa. Hewa is actually an acronym. So Hewa means hope. Like, that's the meaning of the name HIWA. But it also is an acronym that stands for Healing Intentionally Withstanding Adversity. Uh, I chose that name because I think to heal, you have to be intentional about it. Like, you have to be dedicated Mm -hmm. to it and you have to be committed to it. Because it's not just going to happen passively. You have to actively go out and search how can I heal what has happened to me, what, what's gone on in my life. And I think you have to be intentional about it. And then I also think that there are going to be some adversities that you face on that journey. That's going to be hard truths you don't want to accept. That's going to be um, things that are is whatever um, moving forward, like the work you need to do to, to heal is going to be an adversity because it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. So that's kind of how I came up with the, with the name. And I like that you said um, you have to be intentional about it because I think it's very important for people to remember you may not be responsible for Mm -hmm. the trauma that you encountered, but it is your responsibility to heal. It is your responsibility to get past it. That person who abused you or traumatized you, they ain't worried about you. You know, they doing them. And they're not going to make it their priority to heal you. I mean, some may, but it's up to you. because. And then at the end of the day... um, it's about what you do on the inside to get yeah. over it. So nothing anybody else can do can help you overcome nope. that trauma. Healing is intrinsic. Um, yep. People, people, we need to just hold ourselves mm-hmm. accountable. We need to hold ourselves accountable for our own healing. And that's just what it is. Stop playing yep. victim um, and turn into a victor and just get through it. I do like the that. work. Like yep. you said, it's not mm-hmm. easy. You have to do the work and it's not going to happen nope. overnight and you have to accept that, but you have to keep going because anything worth it's having is going to, yep. exactly. Yeah. I was going to say that, but you filled it in. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So I'm, I feel like we could talk about this all day, especially in um, the family structure and dynamic within our our intimate community. But I would like to thank you for not only giving that webinar right before then, but carrying it over into this um, podcast. Please let the listeners know where they can contact you or find thank you. Thank you. So you can check out my website, which is www.hiwa, that's H-I-W-A, therapy.com. Or you can check me out on Instagram, which my Instagram name is Healing Intentionally. Okay, and like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you can check her brand out at www.beherbrand.com. That's B-E-H-E-R-B-R-A-N-D.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at BeHerBrand. So thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, and if you are feeling friendly, leave a review. Thank you. Thanks, and bye. Thank you, Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.